here's the question. In building this year's roster and some of the moves we've seen the Saints make before and after the draft, I'm wondering if you think the Saints were too aggressive in their first year without Sean Payton. Some takes on the Saints' new regime coming up just a little bit later in the show. But first and foremost, it's the Saints Wire podcast. Thanks for joining us and welcome into the show. I'm Ryan O'Leary, playing host, joined as I am each week by John Sigler, managing editor of the Saints Wire. Let's get right into it, John. I think the big thing, the big topic right now with the Saints, besides them playing a, a ball game in London, is uh, the struggles on offense and the struggles by quarterback Jameis Winston, right? Just Jameis struggling to run the offense, even with simple stuff, as you've been pointing out on Twitter and on Saints Wire, just checking the ball down to like a wide open Alvin Kamara in the flat or, you know, maybe replacing the linebackers right in front of him in the middle of the field, just not seeing those easy checkdowns. He's also got the injuries piling up, an ankle injury to go along with those fractured vertebrae in his back that we talked about last week. So just that can't help the situation. Now, we're speaking on Wednesday. We know Jameis did not practice. Andy Dalton took the first team reps. We're told by Dennis Allen that Jameis will return to practice on Thursday. They're hoping to start Jameis in this ballgame. But what do you think about this whole situation at quarterback right now for the Saints? Man, I just cannot shake the feeling that it's being mismanaged. Um, you know, no, no one would rather be cheering on Jameis than me. Uh, but the guy, he's not playing well. And we know we know he's playing hurt. He's, he's, he's hurt so badly that the team is resting him uh, during the week and there and he's not going through his pregame warm-up um, on Sunday mornings and it's vibes are off it's not it's not good I, I, I have a, just a really bad feeling about this um, you know you look at it and you say well he has the back injury and he has the ankle injury and he has the the second highest interceptions rate of his career right now in this season and it's like what more needs to go wrong for this guy? for his coach to step in and make a change and kind of protect him from himself. Um, I know that, you know, Jameis Winston, he's not going to, he's never going to pull himself from a game. He, he said that as long as he can stand, he's going to be playing and that that's who he is. I get it. Uh, pulling him, uh, you know, would be a really difficult decision, but Dennis Allen is handsomely compensated to make those decisions. And, you know, you, you have an experienced backup in Andy Dalton who, you, you brought in for this exact situation where if the starter gets hurt and he is and he's playing poorly, then you can take some of that pressure off of him and let it ride with uh, the red rifle for a bit. But that, that's not what they're doing right now. Uh, everything that Asylum has said uh, suggests that is not the plan and they're just going to keep, you know, let it ride, keep, keep riding it with Jameis and hope that he heals up um, while he's actively, you know, getting hit and pressured by uh, defenses. And eventually he'll he'll start to play better. And I, I just don't think the math checks out there. Uh, but it's not my call to make. And, you know, I, I really earnestly hope that he get, gets well soon and plays the best football of his career. And I just can't shake the feeling that he's risking, like, a, a lifelong injury by continuing to put himself at risk here. Uh, on one side, I understand, I think, John, why Dennis Allen doesn't, you know, is hesitant to go to the to the red rifle because we all know how that game goes. You know what I mean? Like we'd all be way more comfortable if Dalton came in for like a small gap to help Jameis get healthy. So we're not saying we want Andy Dalton to be the savior because Andy Dalton's not the savior yeah. of the season. Right. He's not going to save anything. We've all we all know how that goes. We saw Dalton go to Dallas. We saw him, you know, filling in for Dak Prescott. We saw him in Chicago. We know how that story goes with Andy Dalton. And we know how the story goes to Taysom Hill under center too, right? So 
you know, obviously we're just, we just want the offense to start functioning the way it's supposed to, right? And it's really interesting. If you look at some of the stats, and I know you guys have been covering this on Saints Wire very well, the Saints are moving the football. They're eighth in the league in yards per game, if you look at that. So the offense, it's not stagnant. They're moving the football. They're just not finishing drives, and they're not scoring points. And that tends to be a reflection of two main things, right? Turnovers and penalties, and turnovers as you hit on. League worst, minus six in turnover differential, and that includes a league-high nine giveaways. Jameis has five picks. They've all been in the last two games. The Saints have also lost four fumbles. So all that compiled with the penalties and then, you know, on top of it, Jameis has been sacked 11 times, fifth most in the league. The stats kind of bear out what's hurting the offense. But I think it's it's kind of interesting that they're moving the ball, John. It's not like they're not moving. They're just not scoring. Well, they, they are and, they're, and they aren't. Like many of those yards that they're picking up are happening late in games on big plays. You know, you know a 49-yard catch by... Uh, Chris Olave or a 38 yard pass trick Juan Smith. Like th- they are picking up these big chunks of yards, but it's happening late in games and it's not happening c- consistently. Um, you know, I, I would have to uh, d- double check, but the saints have punted on like 16 of their first 37 possessions this year. Um, they're right in the middle of league average with a go with drives that go three and out. Um, they're, they're not having great success on a down to down basis. And a lot of that, to me, goes on, uh, goes on Winston. You know, the, the, P. Carmichael is playing, he's calling good plays where he has um, Adam Troutman running down the sideline or he has room to run uh, after the catch for, for Jarvis Landry. And, you know, Jameis, is, he's either not making a good read or he's making a good read, but uh, sending, uh, but throwing the ball poorly. Um, he had two scoring opportunities. Both of those uh, plays I just mentioned, uh, Troutman down the seam and Landry uh, on a crossing route. He didn't see uh, Troutman, and he threw the ball behind uh, Landry when he should have hit him in stride. And that, that play actually got uh, Landry in, injured. He twisted his ankle uh, trying to work back to the ball uh, when it should have been put in front of him. Um, but then later in the game here against Seattle, he had two scoring opportunities where uh, Winston, he, he, he did not throw a catchable football. He, he airmailed it over Landry and he uh, j- just missed Alvin Kamara matched up on a linebacker, um, which man, that's what I keep coming back to with, with Jameis Winston, like regardless of everything else of the injuries and the, the turnovers and the sacks and everything else, one of his top priorities should be getting the ball to Alvin Kamara uh, through two games. You know, Kamara missed, missed week two with a rib injury through the two games that Kamara has played. He's only caught five passes. He averaged five and a half passes for four years He's been in the league nine years, and he cannot hit Alvin Kamara three to four yards in front of him. And to me, that is just inexcusable. Like, if if you were to get every quarterback in the NFL and say, or even just like a random schlub like me uh, writing about this and say, hey, you've got to complete one pass in one situation, uh, what is your ideal scenario? It would be, I've got Alvin Kamara matched up with a linebacker three yards away. <laughs> and and that, that's the easiest pass I can imagine completing it at the pro level. And Jameis cannot do it with any consistency. And that really concerns me about, you know, not just the very troublesome here and now present for the Saints offense, but the long term um, impacts and the sustainability and, you know, his future uh, of being the Saints quarterback. If you can't make use of a five time Pro Bowl running back, the best uh, passing down back in the NFL, um, I think that that just speaks volumes about. Uh, just how good you are at your job. Yeah, and, and what do you think it is, John? Because some of these um, 
some of these little clips you see on, you know, on social media or whatever, there's no one around Kamara. Like he's wide open. And Jameis is like, stare, like instead of looking, just looking at his check down, looking at the sure thing, he's staring down the field. Maybe he's almost always trying to make too big a play, right? And, and maybe it's because the Saints are playing from behind way too much, right? You wrote about this on Saints Wire as well. The slow starts. This goes into everything you just were talking about. They're not scoring in the first three quarters. It's like in the fourth quarter. So maybe defenses are playing prevent defense, to your point, with when they're piling up these yards. Uh, in the first three quarters of each game, so that's nine combined quarters, John, the Saints have only scored one touchdown and 13 points total. But they've got, what, 51 points on the year, whatever it is. So they're scoring a lot of points in the fourth quarter when either it's the Atlanta game, which kind of looks like an outlier right now when they scored 17 in the fourth quarter to win that game, or you're just scoring late in games, right, when a defense might be playing a little bit back, like we saw the late touchdown in Carolina, right? So these slow starts, they've just been a killer. Yeah, I think it's a mix of factors um, that go into this. Um, like like you said, playing from behind, they, they, they've had a double-digit deficient uh, at some point in all three games uh, this year um, where they're, they're, they're stuck, uh, gosh, having dug themselves a hole and trying to climb their way out of it. Uh, that, that's happened three weeks in a row. And so you're Jameis, he's feeling pressure from that. Um, he is, you know, he's the type of quarterback who always feels like he needs to um, score a big touchdown every time he drops back to pass. Like he, he's always looking for that home run and he's always that that's where his reads start is deep downfield. And then he works his way back. And so whenever he is seeing um, now to, to be clear, uh, one, I've seen one play go around very often where AK is just totally uncovered underneath for a first down and Jameis throws an incomplete pass to Jarvis Landry in the end zone instead. He did what he was supposed to on that play. That that If you look at how that play is designed and how he uh, reads the field uh, before, uh, before the snap, um, it's a shot play designed to get get Landry matched up one-on-one in the end zone uh, for, for a touchdown. That, that That's the objective on that play. So Jameis, he executed that play well. He read the field correctly, and he sent the ball where it needed to go, but he threw a, a poor pass, and it fell incomplete. And so if you're doing three things right and one thing wrong, it, it's hard to be overly critical in that play. But when this is happening over and over and over again, and you're not getting the ball to Kamara, you're throwing to Kamara seven times and only completing two passes in a single game, as happened in Carolina, um, it really uh, erodes your credibility as a starter. So like, like we said, we, we got to hope he gets healthy. Got to hope that he improves on the, on the field. Um, I think the offensive line has made some really big strides from where they were in week one. Um, they've been doing a much better job of keeping uh, Jameis clean, uh, get, buying him time to, to read the field. It's on the right track, but it's not there yet. And, problem is the track is getting increasingly shorter like like we're getting to a point where you know you're, you're running out of time to fix these things um and then you get left behind uh, when, when it comes time for the playoffs yeah it's, it's hard to fix these things on the fly it is it's really hard yeah. to fix them on the fly uh so more on this coming up next we're going to look at the defensive side of the football as well you know the new regime a little bit too without sean payton our impressions of the new regime so far and where this team is at. That's all coming up next. But first, our friends over at thehuddle.com have their fantasy plays of the week. Check that out. John and I will be right back. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. I'm Corey Benini of thehuddle.com, here to bring you strong plays for week number four. 
Denver Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson at Las Vegas Raiders. Vegas ranks sixth against quarterbacks, allowing more than 25 fantasy points per game through the first three weeks. One added bonus here is two touchdowns have come on the ground, and the defense has given up 273 yards per game through the air. Three straight contests with at least 23.4 fantasy points is encouraging, especially considering one of those was Ryan Tannehill. Look for Wilson to get back on track this week. Rashad Penny at the Detroit Lions. Penny has rushed for 141 yards at a 4.4 yard per carry clip so far, but no touchdowns have hamstrung his fantasy worth. He has yet to get into double figures in PPR scoring in any game this year, and a now healthy Kenneth Walker cutting into his touches makes this one a tough sell. Enter the Lions to ease some of those fears. Detroit has surrendered the highest rushing touchdown efficiency rate for the position, the most fantasy points per touch, the most PPR points, the most non-PPR points, and the 11th most offensive yards per game to the position through three weeks. If there were ever a time to roll Penny out there, this would be it. Buffalo Bills wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie at Baltimore Ravens. Primarily operating out of the slot, which is a productive role in this offensive design, McKenzie offers weekly consideration in deeper fantasy leagues. Baltimore will have all eyes trained on stopping Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis, which frees up McKenzie to operate against solo coverage in space. He could be on the high end of volume from Josh Allen, just like last week. There's still a bit of downside just because of the volume the other receivers see, which obviously cuts into the opportunities. Thanks in large part to the week two destruction from Miami's passing game. Baltimore is the easiest defense to exploit, statistically speaking, for this week. Green Bay Packers tight end Robert Tunyon versus the New England Patriots. Still working his way back from last year's torn ACL, Tunyon has no more than 37 yards in each of the first three games. He has not scored, though last week's six reception performance was an encouraging sign. The Patriots have given up a league-high four touchdowns to the position on just 17 receptions, and that's the hope here. Tunyon is merely a flyer for a score and remains a major risk in fantasy lineups. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522. 4700 in Colorado. All right, John, of all the great stuff that's on Saints Wire this week, I really enjoyed this article, so I want to talk about it a little bit here on the show. But here's the question. In building this year's roster and some of the moves we've seen the Saints make before and after the draft, I'm wondering if you think the Saints were too aggressive in their first year without Sean Payton on the sideline. You know what I mean? Like, were they just where they feel themselves a little bit too much, right? Because, you know, I don't think anyone's enjoying the Saints' early season struggles quite like the Eagles are right now, right? They First of all, they got C.J. Gardner-Johnson flying around uh, on what might be the nastiest defense in the league right now. They're 3-0, and and they and as you wrote on Saints Wire, they also hold the Saints' first-round pick in 2023. Uh, right now, if the season ended today with the Saints being 1-2, and two, the pick would be pretty good. Uh, and, you know, the Saints were aggressive in the draft. They made moves. They got Chris Olave, who looks like a freaking stud. So great pick there. But they also made moves to get Trevor Penning, who's currently on, on IR and is not giving you much. And as you said on Saints Wire, wasn't showing much before the Liz Frank injury, right? So you basically said on Saints Wire, John, Mickey Loomis should, should just stop answering the phone when the Eagles and Howie Roseman, the GM there, calls, right? Just stop dealing with the Eagles because it's not going well. Yeah, the next time Mickey Loomis sees a, a 215 area code, he, he needs to just decline the call. <laughs> yes. don't, don't, even, don't even answer. Don't pick it up. Uh, just just mash that red uh, button and don't don't take it. Just just don't. Um, 
The Eagles have taken the Saints' lunch money this year, in addition to their 2023 first-round pick, the 2024 second-round pick. Um, they, they somehow managed to get a pick back in trading for uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson in a couple years. Um, they, they, they've taken the Saints to the cleaners here. And it, it's, it really sucks just to admit that. Um, but th- that, that's the reality. That's where we are. For Tankathon, if the if the season ended today and the draft was tomorrow, uh, the Saints would be sending the seventh overall pick to Philly um, as part of that trade. That eventually brought uh, Trevor Penning and Chris Olave to New Orleans. So not where you wanted to be. I do think that the Saints may have um, eaten the cheese um, a, a bit this year. Um, they took the bait. Uh, they, they really overestimated where they were. Um, I think they're missing Sean Payton in a lot of areas that they may, may have not anticipated as far as, you know, an eye for detail in practice where you're committing um, you're more special teams penalties uh, now than you've had in entire seasons, um, just three games in, uh, where you're having 12 men on the field on, on a, a critical punt or your, your all-pro um, gunner is running out of bounds on, on the kick uh, return. Um, j- just really simple mental errors. Uh, it, but it's it's things that the coaches should be picking up on, but it's probably things that Sean Payton uh, um, made a point of emphasis and that uh, Dennis Allen may be overlooking uh, where he's so worried with everything else going on right now. So, yeah, you know, no, no one is happier than the Eagles right now. Um, I'm sure Howie Roseman is just uh, just pounding back some brewskis um, on the weekends, just really enjoying things, how, how it's going for him. Um, the, hopefully the Saints turn it around, you know, I, I, what I keep going back to here is that I, I can't shake this feeling that the Saints just had that uh, they had those picks like burning a hole in their wallet all, all offseason where they put they stacked up all these assets that they planned to trade for Deshaun Watson. And when that fell apart and they didn't get him, they're like, well, we've already got this trade package ready to go. Let's uh, go ahead and spend it. And, and if, 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 if we've already made our peace with parting ways with it. Um, I don't think that they were that they ever intended to take a quarterback with that that pick. I don't think Kenny Pickett would be doing any better than James Winston right now if he can't start over Mitch Trubisky. I, I don't know what else they could have done besides stay put. Ho- hopefully they turn it around. Hopefully they can play some good football. Hopefully that they'll end up sending a pick that's not like a top ten uh, choice to to Philly. But you know, hey, as I wrote in that article, if if, if you want to be really charitable about it, if you want to take a really um, unique spin on it. It's not like the Saints have drafted that well in the first round anyway <laughs> lately. I mean, Peyton Kerner has been a healthy scratch. Uh, Trevor Penning is already out, out on IR. Marcus Davenport's struggles are well documented. Um, it's not like the Saints have done a really great job uh, spending their first round picks. So it's no guarantee that even if they did have, uh, you know, let's say seven overall next year, that they would um, use it well and that they would get a player who's going to help them uh, win football games. So, I know that's probably not what a lot of people want to hear, but it, it is what it is. So, like I said, hopefully things turn around here, here very soon. I'm glad we got Chris Olave, but you know, but as but, yeah, as, yeah. <laughs> but, but as John wrote and check that article out, I, I really enjoyed it. I think a lot of people have. Uh, the Saints have. I'm quoting John. The Saints have badly misevaluated themselves and their place in the NFL hierarchy without Sean Payton at the wheel. I thought that was a great line. Uh, and you know, it's you look at the personnel on both sides of the football and on defense. We've talked about this a little bit, right? Are they too thin on defense? I don't know. I think it's a, it's it may be a question that we could keep asking ourselves as the weeks go on. I mean, we, we mentioned C.J. Gardner-Johnson, but Marcus Williams is elsewhere. Kawan Alexander was a good little player. We talked about him a ton last year, John, on the show. Kawan Alexander and all the things he was doing. He's 
I think he's a Jet, right? Uh, yeah, Matt, yeah, he's playing well for the Jets. Yeah. So he's he's a role player there. Um, he's played like half as many snaps as his replacement Pete Werner has for the Saints. Um, but he he is that is someone that you know you would like to hold on to if you have the opportunity. Yeah, Malcolm Jenkins obviously retired. So those those are four players right there that are like were key guys to your defense. And now we're yeah. seeing stuff like we're you know we're seeing tackling is a little bit of a concern at times, right? There was I, I think in this past game you you mentioned the Lavisca Chenault. Um, play oh, on Saints wire yeah, with the seven yards, yeah, and also the the pressure rate. Right, the Saints have the worst rush in the league right now in terms of sacks and pressure rate, which is, you know, that's a little alarming, right? You got Cameron Jordan. We were talking before we started recording. He's chasing the all time sacks record for the Saints, uh, but the Saints aren't generating a lot of pressure. And if you know, I'm I'm just thinking back to the the most recent game before we started recording Monday Night Football, uh, Cowboys Giants. I mean, watching the Cowboys just wreck that game with their pass rush was pretty wild to see. I think they pressured Daniel Jones like 24 times in the game or something. It's insane. Uh, but the Saints aren't, aren't coming. They're not sniffing that, right? So wh- what's worrying you on the defense right now? I, I know the pass rush piece is, um, that's got to be a little concerning. Yeah, it is, especially when you consider how many assets the Saints have poured into their defensive line. Um, you know, they've got three first-round picks at defensive end. They've got a pretty big contract in, in David Onyemata at defensive tackle. And they've just had a lot of trouble um, pressuring quarterbacks here, here these first three weeks. I understood it in the first two games where Marcus Mariota is, he's a very agile, you know, he, he's, a, he's a lot of things and he's not a lot of others as a quarterback, uh, but Mariota is very athletic, very agile. And he did a great way of just, just, just running away from the Saints defensive, defensive line in that game. So I get that Tom Brady, um, was on a mission to get the ball out faster than he ever has before in a game. And he accomplished that. I think he had an average time to throw 2.2, 2.3 seconds, which is just outrageous. I mean, that does not happen uh, for, for many QBs um, in their throughout their careers, much less where he's at right now. That worked well to neutralize the Saints pass rush. Um, we talked last week about maybe this would improve against Baker Mayfield and the Panthers as it should. And it did. Uh, just not quite to the, to the degree that I was hoping. Um, and I think the Panthers did a good job of uh, playing to the Saints' weaknesses and in, in, to the pass rushes of vulnerabilities there with these uh, boots and, and rollouts. So th- they've got to figure it out. They, they, did, they did blitz Mayfield more often than they had uh, the previous QBs that they had faced. I think they've got to keep going there. Uh, but as you said, you know, the depth in the secondary has really deteriorated. Uh, with free with free agency losses, with uh, trading Gardner Johnson when they did, you know, I still look at that as a, a big L for D- Dennis Allen. Like, if anyone could have bridged the gap there and worked out that that problem, it would have been him because he was uh, Gardner Johnson's uh, position coach uh, coming up. Um, that they should have found a way to you know put the emotions aside and cut a deal and work that out, and they couldn't. Um, anyway. And the issue with blitzing uh, these these quarterbacks so often is it does expose your secondary. And when you've got the injuries that the Saints do right now, where Marcus May is limited in practice and missing games, uh, Tyra Matthew is missing tackles um, at a higher rate than we've seen before. P.J. Williams is playing more snaps than I think anyone is comfortable with. Uh, your second round pick, Alante Taylor, uh, hurt himself in practice last week, and he is on IR. Um it gets to a point where you're like, well, shoot, we we, we cannot risk uh, blitzing uh, because then we we don't, quite literally don't have enough guys to drop into coverage. So it, it's a double-edged sword, um, and they're really running out of time to figure it out. All right, well, we still got to get to this game, John. Vikings 
Saints in London Sunday morning. Want to get your take on just the London game in general. Uh, this game coming up early morning, coffee and football. We're going to do that here coming up next. But first, our guys over at the Bet Slippin' Podcast have a play of the week for us. This is the typical sports book minute. Let's make this interesting. Hello, everyone. This is Nathan with the Bet Slippin' Podcast. Be sure to check us and our sportsbook provider, Typico Sportsbook, out. All odds are provided by our friends at Typico Sportsbook, a global sports betting leader, which is now live in New Jersey and Colorado. Make your favorite sports more interesting with Typico's fast and easy mobile sportsbook app. New users from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply. 21 plus. See site for details. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. All right, on to the game. Sunday Night Football, we have the Bucks versus the Chiefs. The Bucks are three at home against the spread since 2020 as a home underdog and five and one as an underdog in general since adding Brady. Chris Godwin is practicing and Mike Evans will return. Tom Brady in primetime with a sick defense led by an elite secondary while also being an underdog and likely being faded by the public. Give me the Bucks plus 1.5. That was your Tipico Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See tipico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, the Saints playing the Vikings in London this Sunday. John, uh, I know knowing you, you've got something. I mean, you're good in the kitchen. You've got some kind of fall-inspired breakfast or coffee uh, planned for kickoff, right? Uh, you have to have something planned. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. Uh, so uh, one of my favorite YouTubers, uh, Binging with Babish, he recreated there are these uh, ginger snap, nutmeg, and apple cookies. going to be fantastic. I'm going to give them a shot this weekend, try and make a batch, see how that goes. Uh, but as far as like what, what we'll be drinking, I'm kind of torn. You know, I I, I do have uh, I, I know it's basic and whatever, but hey, <laughs> I, I made my, my pumpkin spice syrup. I've been I've been enjoying that pretty often with some coffee in the mornings. Um, we may give that a roll or we we may uh, try some tea here. You know, my my, my grandmother uh, gave me this package of uh, English breakfast tea that she didn't really care for. So maybe I'll give that a spin. We'll, we'll see. But we'll keep it light. we got to get up right and early to cover this game of, over overseas. We've got an 830 uh, central uh, kickoff um and we'll be getting started uh right bright and early and actus list comes out at seven on the dots so we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll be up up, up and uh, roaming around the sunday morning saints uh news drop is going to happen at like 6 a.m right it's going to be, it's <laughs> oh, gonna be out of control uh yeah yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> ian rapaport is going to tweet out something about uh i don't, I, I don't know J- james winston's uh his hip flexor i don't know so, <laughs> something. So, something that we don't even know about yet um, at four o'clock in the morning, I'm sure. Yeah, it's gonna be something like Taysom Hill is getting ready to start this game. We're gonna be like, what? <laughs> something just random. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. So, but I I do love these London games as a fan. I just I just love them. I don't know if my wife does because here on the East Coast where I'm at, um, it just means football's on a loop from 9:30 a.m. to like 11 p.m. But I love waking up to football. Uh, and one thing I wanted to do, John, is I'm like, you know what would be fun? I want to hear what a local broadcast of the NFL get. Like, I don't want to hear the old reliable like Romo or the, I want to hear like a British broadcast. I thought, I think that would be awesome. So I actually looked up what that would sound like. And here's, here's just a sample. They all line up staring at one another, like a futuristic mating ritual and the defenders caught it and he's fallen over. And did they win a point for that? I think they won a point for that. 
It must have been a secret treasure spot. Yes, when you fall over on the secret treasure spot, you've as good as scored a goal. That's it. It's all over. No, it's not. And uh, They're doing another scrum. Is this a fight or are they still playing? I don't want to be the boy who cried wolf. I believe this is a rolling mole. Seattle looking for a breakthrough and they found it with the flanker. It's a try. Yellow dishcloths are thrown in the air as if to symbolize that there'll be no more cleaning. This game is done and dusted. <laughs> so that's just like, so I, I was, I was looking for something real, John. That's obviously a parody account. Uh, oh, but, no, no, yeah. no. That's a very authentic. <laughs> yeah, um, that's a, so, yeah. But everything's better in a British accent. And I would just, I'd rather watch Saints Vikings uh, from a British broadcast. I, that's just something I would, I think would be really fun. So I might have to look for that on Sunday. I don't know with all the, you know, all the internet streams you can find now, all the, all the pirated stuff. Like maybe you could find a local London broadcast. I have no idea. Uh, but yeah, I think it'd be so much have better. All the- yeah, you have all these simulcasts, and I mean, look, if, if we can get Peyton and Eli Manning on one stream, yes. I think we can we can figure out a way to get, um, you know, the, the, the local show from London. So, <laughs> uh, you know, as for me, I, I'm I'm fine listening to a Mark Sanchez and Cap Hugler bright and early on a Sunday morning, but I definitely get the appeal on something else. <laughs> yeah, I know. I and, and believe me, I'll have that on. And you know, I don't even watch the Peyton and Eli thing either I I'd, I just need I need the normal broadcast so a lot of this was tongue-in-cheek but I, I just needed a, an excuse to play that sound John uh, so um, obviously a neutral site game Vikings are three and a half point favorites over the Saints on Tipico I've seen this spread all over the place three two and a half right it's all over the place probably because of the uncertainty of quarterback I don't know how much this line moves if Andy Dalton is the quarterback like I don't know um, but you know I think we're all expecting Jameis to be out there uh, the Vikings are two and one. They've looked pretty good un- under new coach Ken O'Connell there. Uh, John, what do you think? What do you, what do you think about the Vikings so far and what you've seen? Uh, their defense really worries me. Um, they've got a really strong pass rush unit. They've got some some uh, pretty, pretty strong coverage players. Uh, they look like someone who is going to get after Jameis Winston early and often and really make life difficult for him. Um, as far as the Vikings offense is concerned, Alvin Cook is banged up. He has had some good games against the Saints before, but I, I like the Saints defense in this this matchup. I think they'll I think they'll they'll be fine. Um, Justin Jefferson against Marshawn Lattimore, that's going to go really well. Um, and I think that Lattimore wins that matchup again after he uh, beat Jefferson pretty well the last time they, they face each other. So uh, I don't think either team is going to score many points here, but I think it, it is going to be significantly more difficult for the Saints offense uh, than it will be for the Vikings. So I'll t- I'll take the over on. Um, the the Vikings went uh, winning this one. I think they're going to win by a touchdown, and I, I I've got to see it to believe that things are going to get better for the Saints here anytime soon. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I, I was going to take the Vikings as well. I mean, especially if you can find it at two and a half or something like that uh, for the oh, for yeah. the Vikings. I mean, that's I don't think it's going to be a blowout. So I'm with you 100. percent I just don't know how you, you know, given everything we've been talking about here on the show, I don't know how you could pick the Saints based on what we've seen for again 11 of the 12 quarters so far this season. I think Lattimore, Justin Jefferson. So that's going to be a game where, you know, Lattimore is just following him around the field and, and trying to shut him down. Yeah, yeah. I think that's exactly how it's going to play out. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the Lattimore and Jefferson battle and not much else. So hopefully the Saints <laughs> prove me wrong and find a way to rally here in London and uh, start kick off a win streak. Well, the flight home from London would be a lot better, two and two than one and three. So we'll see how this thing plays out. Um, but, uh, John, good stuff as always. Really enjoying your stuff on Saintswire. Keep up the good work, and everybody should be checking that out between now and kickoff. And, uh, John, enjoy some morning football on Sunday. Yeah, I'll be sure to. You as well. 
This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.